Welcome to the What Is Life, the What Is Life podcast. Welcome to the What Is Life, the What Is Life podcast. Welcome to the What Is Life, the What Is Life podcast. Podcast, yeah. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the What Is Life podcast. Yes, it's your boy, your host, Sensei Speeds in the building. Yes, Mr. Cronkite himself, back at you with another episode, episode 28. And I want to say thank you wherever you're at, wherever you're listening. Thank you for making this a part of your routine, wherever you're at in the world. You know, whether you're in India, Denmark, Turkey, France. London, Canada, or right here in this great United States of America. Thank you. For real, from the bottom of my heart, because what you're doing is you're allowing me to grow with you. You're allowing me to become more aware with you. That's so beautiful. That is so beautiful. So thank you. I love you. Now. Before we get started, I have to let you know that this episode is being recorded in front of a live studio audience. Pal Pullen is in attendance. He is posted up as usual. He said, I love what you're doing. Keep doing what you do. I'm going to keep riding with you. I'm going to keep showing up. So if you want to come down to the stew, hey, be my guest. Come join the live studio audience. So, what are we talking about today? Episode 28, because we're getting deep. We're almost episode 30. The threes. I might get into some numerology when we get into the threes. But, what are we going to be discussing today? Well, life. That's what we're going to be discussing today. Life and how life is a mentality. Life is all about your mentality. This universe, everything that you see, is all constructed in the mind. All of your answers to life are in the mind. And the mind is broken into three parts. It's constructed into three sections. We have the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, and the unconscious mind. The conscious mind, the subconscious mind, and the unconscious mind. The conscious mind, that's where we get our creativity. That's where we get our desires. That's how we dream. It's what we're aware of. The subconscious mind. That is how we conduct life the majority of the time. <laughs> that, is, that is our day-to-day. That is what our body is programmed to do. That is what we are programming our body to do. 
the unconscious mind is our surroundings, our habits, and our thoughts that we are unaware of. We don't know where that comes from. We don't know where we're at when we're really sleeping. We don't know. We don't know when we wake up sometimes what we even dreamed about. All we can think of is darkness. It was just blackness. Isn't that wild? Like, you be sleep for 10 hours, 12 hours, 15 hours sometimes. I'm talking about a good sleep. A good sleep. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When it's like, oh. You wake up, you feel great. But you don't remember nothing that you dreamed about. All you could think of was the darkness, was the blackness. But you slept peacefully. You slept great. Isn't that wild? How there is peace in the darkness? Because when we think peace, what comes to mind? We think of clouds. We think of blue skies. We think of the sun. But how come sometimes when we really want to sleep, we want to block all that out? We just want complete darkness. Well, to keep it a buck with you, to keep it a hundred with you, like I always got to do, that all starts in the womb. That's what we are preconditioned to before we even, before we're even birthed into this world. Our eyes are closed. We're in darkness, but we are creating. We are growing. We germinated. We made it. We made it to that egg. Fertilized that egg. Grew. Grew. We grew in the dark times. We grew in the darkness. We didn't know what we were being birthed into. We didn't know the world that was waiting for us when we exited the womb. We did not know what was in store. We were born with a blank slate. A blank slate. We are completely unaware. Completely unaware. But we grew because we had a code. And we carried out that code. We fertilized that egg. We carried out. You got to be hyped. You got to be excited that you're here on this earth. We have to be excited that we're here on this earth. We did something in complete darkness. We trusted. We trusted ourselves to make it to that egg. Fertilize it. Come out. And live this life. We chose to be here. We chose to be here. So don't say you didn't ask to be here. We chose to be here. We signed up for this. It's like a game. It's like a movie. It's like a dream. You start with a blank slate. Our mind is completely unaware. But our soul Our soul, (laughs) our soul is definitely there. It is definitely there. It is there because as soon as we make it out that womb, what do we do? We start experiencing. 
we start experiencing. Some of us cry. Some of us don't. Some of us don't get the full nine months to develop. Some of us don't make it through the development inside of the womb. So much happens in the darkness. And then we come out of the darkness into this light. We're blinded by this light. And then so much happens so fast. Umbilical cords getting cut. Some of us are getting circumcised. As painful as that is to say. Like when I think about circumcision. I just think it's painful. It's painful. It just the thought of it is painful. And the thought that I went through it. And I could. <laughs> is painful. Ah. Don't get me wrong. I do love my penis. But this is. It, the thought is painful. When you really think about it. I mean as men y'all know. Think about how much it hurts to be kicked in the nuts. Like that, uh, just tapped. Even just tapped. Like, yo, that's our most sensitive area. Like, like just to put it in perspective, it's a true pain that women will never understand. (laughs) So the darkness can be a scary place. And it also can be a beautiful, peaceful place creative place nurturing place but when we are born the subconscious starts taking over automatically and we're unconscious to our surroundings we're unconscious to what's going on we don't know why we are in these positions that we're in but our soul is the only reason we made it out the womb And it's the only reason why we are even having this discussion right now. Because we still have ours and we must protect it. That childhood development is so real. It is so real. Because who a person is as a kid is who they're most likely going to turn out to be in the future. Like they're going to be pre exposed to that stuff like it's programmed into them the subconscious mind can be programmed we've talked about this in earlier episodes but the subconscious mind never sleeps it is aware 24 7 it's aware of its surroundings it's aware of what's going on it it smells it hears it sees but if we're not thinking about what we smell what we see and what we hear then we're unconscious to that stuff. We are just on autopilot as if our bodies were acting like robots or like zombies. The subconscious mind is a creature of habit. It, it doesn't want change. It's really hard for it to resist change. So if a kid grows up and he's used to change, then as he gets older, he or she will always be attracting change because that is programmed within them. They'll always be thinking of ways to change. Jobs to change. Schools to change. They, uh, they might want to live here for five years and then if they're there too, too longer, six years or seven years is too long, too, too long for them, then they, they have to go. They have to go. 
And what's the opposite of change? Acceptance. So dealing with dealing with dealing with acceptance, one can already see that that's going to be an issue because resistance. So once a child learns change and acceptance, if they respond well to that at an early age, then they will be well beyond their years as an adult once they enter adulthood, as long as they build strong foundations and structures. Because change is going to come. You have to accept that. But if you're solid within who you are and your routine and what you're doing, then no matter what changes you make, you'll still always have your core values. You'll still always know who you are. No matter what situation life may put you in. And when I say situation, I mean like what group of people you might find yourself around, what environment that you might be in, you'll always be solid with who you are. Because the subconscious mind is a creature of habit. It's a, it's a creature of familiarity. So they always want to be in similar situations. So that's what the subconscious mind is going to project Now, if you're conscious of what you're projecting from your subconscious mind, from your programs, from what you're programming yourself with, as a kid, like if you can reflect back as a kid and remember all the stuff that you did up until the age of seven or eight or even nine, you will see how your life has made patterns out of that just in more dramatic ways or in less dramatic ways, just depending on how you were programmed as a kid, coupled with what you're doing now. That's why time doesn't really exist, because you can program and deprogram yourself, your mind, your habits, because all we're doing in this life is trying to become aware of what we are unaware to, and that is our unconscious mind. So every day we are minding our mental to become, to to see what's in that unconscious mind. What can we crack? What can we get out of that? How can we become more aware today? And if we're not even thinking like that, then we're always going to be content, or if you don't have any programs within you. You're just going to be on zombie mode, stuck. No ideas, no creativity, and no desires to even try to find a way to, you know, explore your mind. You won't even know how to because the subconscious mind will never let you. It will never let you. So if somebody tries to come to you with a book on how to be more mindful or how to create wealth, you might reject that. You might be like, no, that's, you know, like like if somebody comes up to you, like if you're a lazy person and you don't like to work hard and you see this person with all this money, they've, they've amassed all this wealth, they're living this great life, right? That you would love to live. And you go up to him and you're like, hey, how'd you get all this money? Blah, 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 blah. How, do you, how are you doing what you do? And the guy tells you hard work. You're going to be like, what? 
What do you mean hard work? We talk about hard work. I work hard. I wake up, go to work every morning, come home every evening, and I'll never get what you got. You telling me hard work? That's what somebody like a lazy person would say. That's what a hater would say. <laughs> the subconscious mind won't even let them ask the question, how? Or, yeah, like, how, would, how did you do it? Like, what were you doing? The subconscious mind would be like, you know what? Fuck that. You full of shit. Hard work. Get the fuck out of here. Like, there's not, not going to believe them. We're not going to believe. The subconscious mind is not going to let you believe what you're not programmed to believe. <laughs> the subconscious mind is not going to let you believe what you're not programmed to believe. That's why for kids, it's such a coming of age moment. Once they realize Santa Claus is not real, like they, I remember when Santa Claus, when I found out Santa Claus wasn't real, I was going to cry. If you know me, I went hard for Santa Claus. I went hard for Santa Claus. My aunt Sandy tell me every day how hard I went for Santa Claus. <laughs> I went hard for my God, for the old, for the old jolly kid. Oh, jolly kid. That was my guy. That was my guy. But I was programmed to believe in Santa Claus. And that made the Christmases so fun. That made it so joyful, so full of glee. You know what I mean? Same with wrestling. I loved wrestling. I didn't know it was fake. I did not know it was fake. Because in the 90s, you know, that, that stuff, it looked real. People were getting busted open. Stone Cold broke his neck from Owen Hart. RP Owen Hart. Stone Cold the Goat, don't at me. But I loved playing with my wrestling toys. I had The Rock. I had like 10 Stone Colds. I had like three Undertakers. I had The Ring. I had The Titan Tron. I had all that. All that. Shout out to my Sandy and my Gwenny. They provided. They, they, well, they, like, I love them so much because they created memories for me, that I will never take for granted, ever, ever. So, shout out to them. And, you know, just the love they had for their little nephew. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it just feels so pure. So pure because I had some dark times after my parents got divorced and those memories were the only thing that I had to only thing that I had to make my life seem worthwhile to seem like yo I know there's more to this than just this than just living and where I'm living from living in Mississippi to living in Florida Niceville, Florida. And it's crazy because if you've been keeping up with the podcast, you know I was born in Japan. I lived there for six years. I saw more Japanese than I did people with my... <laughs> I saw more Japanese people than people with my skin or with white skin, Caucasian skin, if you identify with that stuff. 
And in this world, let's face it, we all do. We all identify with our skin color. And systematically, we've been conditioned and programmed to identify with our skin color to create separation, to create diversity. The United States is built like that, but we have to understand it's built like that because uh, centuries and centuries and centuries and generations and generations and generations before that, that's how it was. Like slaves have been around since the beginning of time. Slaves helped build nations like that was the blueprint even if you look at egypt slaves helped build that nation so it, it, it gets deep and even before that you know racism really started because somewhere along the line somebody thought that if there was one royal bloodline or one strong bloodline one bloodline then that would be a holy bloodline, one race. And then that race would be superior to all races because that bloodline would be so pure. That's why people love purebred dogs so much. It'd be so pre- so pure that that lineage can be tracked for generations and generations and generations to come. Why? Because we love to know about our past. We love to know where we came from. And the funny thing is, if we deprogrammed ourselves now of everything we learned and really came back to our soul our source because our soul is the only reason why we fertilized that egg in the first place and really came out of that egg and started to create ourselves in god's body and god's image because of the soul and if we all realize that we contain the same genetic code the same dna strand we're all the same. We are all one race. But if you want to conquer a land, you have to divide the people. And how do you divide people? With the mind. Because you can poison the mind with what you see, with what you hear, with what you smell, and with what you can taste, and with your thoughts. Your thoughts are your sixth sense. But we never want to acknowledge that. Our awareness comes last in our development process. It goes to subconscious and then the conscious. The unconscious is always there. Because as soon as we're born, as soon as we gain awareness, through the subconscious mind, the unconscious mind has to be there. Because the subconscious can't exist without the unconscious. And then that gives birth to the conscious. So a child's earlyhood development is so important because they're developing a moral code. They're developing a code of ethics. They're developing how to act, how to behave, not only at home, but in the public realm, in the public arena, in this 3D realm of reality that we're in. They are always observing. They're always watching. They're in a state of hypnosis because they don't know what's going on. They don't know what's going on, but they can feel. They don't know what their feelings are, but they know what makes them cry. They know it doesn't sit right with their soul. They know what makes them happy. They know what brings them joy. That's all they care about. And through the programs that they're learning, once they gain that state of awareness, that state of consciousness, 
that ability to think for themselves, then they'll be able to make conscious decisions, yes, but based off of the programs that they have installed in them. That's why when a child gets nine or ten, eight, nine or ten, parents are okay with leaving their kids home at, at home because they know how to act. They have that structure. They know what's in order when they're at home. And then if something goes out of whack, you know, they could, what can they do? People always want to call when I'm kicking knowledge. Uh, what can they do? They can make decisions for themselves. They'll know when something goes wrong to call or they can uh, we don't have a snack or something. They can find another snack. You know what I mean? They can make something out of nothing at that point. And then if that's encouraged as they are gaining awareness, once they hit puberty and all that, they're able to grow an awareness at a rapid pace and they'll be finding themselves in successful situations if they have the right programming backing their decisions, their creativity, their desires. And it works vice versa as well. If you have negative programming in you, if you grew up seeing your parents being abusive if, or if one of your parents was an alcoholic or, you know, they were a drug addict, either growing up as a kid after seeing all that, being programmed to all that, right? Your subconscious mind is going to project that now as you get older. So then when you hit your teen years and whatnot, either you're going to follow in the footsteps of that program or you're going to denounce that program. But what I'm saying is your subconscious mind is always going to put you in that arena. It's always going to try to project that into your reality because that's what you're programmed to. And if you're unconscious to that, then you will never figure that out. Even if you make a conscious decision not to partake in those activities like drugs or alcohol, the the temptations are always going to be there. And you're always going to be finding yourself having these battles. Because if there's no work being put into avoiding that, keeping yourself out of those situations, putting your energy towards new focuses, new areas, then you'll create new programs and you'll be able to deprogram yourself of those thoughts because your thoughts, you attract your thoughts. And the more, th- the, more you, the more you keep attracting the same thought, the more you're going to find yourself feeling a type of way and f- being in a certain environment that you don't want to be in, a.k.a. experiencing life in a low vibrational state, being in a low vibrational state. So if we look back into like the 1200s, 1300s, 1400s, you can understand why kids... We're being getting married at like 12, 10, 14, 13, because their parents trusted the husband to be able to lead and show their wife and give their wife direction, give their wife guidance, 
give their wife the logic that she needs to be able to make better decisions, to be able to actually think like a man and multiply that with her great mind that she already has. So that's why if you look at marriages now, what does a woman want out of a marriage? She wants a man with direction. She wants a man that can lead. She wants a man that she can follow. She wants a man that will protect her, that will be her peace, that will give her advice, that will, you know, that can be her best friend, that can make her laugh when she's crying, can make her smile when she's sad, and knows how to push her buttons, knows how to inspire her. Because a husband should want to know his wife. And the, the wife should want to know her husband. So, I mean, I can understand, I can understand why they were getting married at such young ages. And I can understand why the drinking age is so low or so young in other countries, even now. 16, 14, 10. <laughs> but that had to change because as a woman, I wouldn't want to be forced into a marriage with some 40-year-old, with some 30-year-old, with some 20-year-old that I don't even know. I'm just supposed to trust that and supposed to be thinking like him and be groomed by him. Like that that's that's sick. That's that's not even fair. That's not even a fair life to have as a woman. So I wonder what the divorce rates of those marriages were like. Or if the woman was even too scared to even get out of that marriage. Because marriage back then, the woman was for real the property. Like, (laughs) still the property. That was that man's property. And marketing tactics still to this day is to get these kids while they're young. Because once a kid is a fan of your brand from an adolescent, they're going to ride with you for life. Look at us right now. We love Disney. We love Lion King. SpongeBob came out in 1999, and I still love that nigga. Like, that's my guy. I love that show. I love that show. Some of us will only wear Nike. Some of us will only wear a polo because that's what we wore as kids. Either you wore it as a kid or you dreamed of having it. You dreamed of having it. So when you get older, that's all you spend your money on. That's all you're consumed with. That's why... There is television programming to program consumers, consumers of visions that other people are telling. This is why television programming is so powerful because the reach is magnificent. It's wondrous. We as human beings... We want to see what we don't know, what we're unaware of. We're creatures of that. We want to be mindful. So we become indoctrinated, right, through school, through books. And we also become programmed through television. So what we're learning is other people's programs. 
We're not even programming ourselves. We're not even picking and choosing what programs that we want to know. That's why when we're kids, it's a blessing to have parents who are interested in not only what we want, but what they also want for us because we are automatically open-minded as a youth. We want to please our parents. We want to make them proud. So, of course, we're going to do whatever we can to make them proud to get their love, their affection, to get their, you know, kudos. But we also do have our own interests and things that we do love and that we want to explore. And if those things are shut off, if those programs aren't accessed to us to us at an early age, if we are not able to download that program, then we cannot experience that world. And we'll always think that that world is never possible, like that can never happen. We can't even fathom that thought because the subconscious, the subconscious mind won't let us. It will always replay how we were always told, no, you can't be that. You can't have that. There's no way. It's impossible. Look, And then we see people around us who haven't achieved shit. So then we start thinking, damn, well, maybe they're right. Maybe all I will work at is this chicken shop. Maybe all I will work at is this grocery store. All I ever will be doing is living in this town. Like it doesn't seem real. And then we become obsessed with television because we see other people's lives. We see narratives being spun. We see, we see a lot of shit that we don't see going on with our town. And it's more fascinating. We think it's more fascinating to see what's going on in the world, whether than be the change, be, be instead of creating programs for not only for ourselves, but for others around us to become great, to build unity. The most humbling experience in the world is when you finally figure out who you are. When you finally figure out the power you possess, when you finally understand yourself as a being, when you finally understand that there's layers to you that you can build, that you can deconstruct all through the conscious, subconscious and the unconscious. The unconscious is what keeps us going because it's always driving us, pushing us to find out what else there is to this life. What else can we do? So if we can program ourselves mindfully, when I say mindfully, I mean consciously. If we can consciously program ourselves, the amount that we can achieve the possibilities that we can unlock, the possibilities that we can unlock is unfathomable, unimaginable. And it's all God given. We were born with it. Look how far we've come. And I know this might be uncomfortable for you to hear, but you are a God. You are a God linked to God. You are. Look at your life right now. Look at everything that you've constructed for your life. Are you satisfied with it? If you're not satisfied with it, I wasn't satisfied with my life. I mean, I grew up thought, thinking I was going to be in the NFL, but that's not really what I wanted to do. But that's what I would think. And yeah, I put in the work, but my subconscious 
didn't let me attain that because I knew for myself that's not what I wanted to do. That's not what I wanted to do. That's not even my first love. Basketball is my first love. If we're talking about sports, <laughs> my dad can tell you that. But life after sports is so hard because you're so programmed to dedicating all of your focus and your awareness and your time to that particular craft. And it's like, damn, where do you put that next? And that's why I was so grateful for my younger self, for my teen self, for always being so fascinated with journalism. With journalism. Because my dad, when I, had, I played Madden all the time, and um, he'd be like, boy, do you want to be on the game? Or do you want to be playing the game? <laughs> and now it's so crazy that you can get paid for playing the game for real. Like playing Madden. But when my dad said that, he was like, do you want to be in the NFL or do you want to just play the game? <laughs> so. So if we want to deconstruct life, if we want to reprogram this whole life that we're living, right? Like, for instance, right now, I want to timestamp this episode. It is June 3rd. George Floyd has recently passed away due to police brutality. I did not watch the video because as a black man, I'm tired of seeing police brutality videos. I'm tired of seeing one of my brothers and sisters dying at the hands of police brutality. Right? And let's keep in mind, four years ago, this is 2020. This is June 3rd, 2020. A few years ago, four years ago to be exact, in 2016, in 2016, Colin Kaepernick was the NFL was a, was an NFL quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. He took a knee for police brutality, and he got a lot of shit for it. Why? Because let's look at the mental programming of society. We live in the United States of America. We are supposed to be showing our allegiance to America and pledging our allegiance to America. And one of the ways that we do this is by singing the national anthem, standing for the national anthem, honoring the national anthem. Colin Kaepernick took a knee during the national anthem in the NFL protesting against police brutality. Why? Because... Because police brutality has been so rampant in the United States ever since the United States has been the United States. <laughs> and not only that, but just how racist the Star Spangled Banner actually is, written by a fellow slave owner, Francis Scott Key. Kneeing for the national anthem was taken as a sign of disrespect. He was disrespecting the country. He was disrespecting the flag. He was disrespecting the veterans. He was disrespecting the men and women who fought and died for this country. That is what the makeup of NFL fans thought 
of Mr. Colin Kaepernick. Now, more recently, George Floyd, rest in peace, rest in power, died at the hands of police brutality. One police officer choked George Floyd out with his knee. Choked him for nine minutes while three other police officers stood around making sure the execution went down. And before that, uh, Mr. Floyd was handcuffed and beaten up in the back of the police car. Wild, right? Well, not if you're black. So seeing this and hearing the stories about it over and over and over and over, for over 400 years, black people like myself have PTSD. We were born with PTSD of the police. We don't want to be beaten into mutilation like Emmett Till, rest in peace. We don't want to be beat down to the ground like Rodney King. We don't want to be shot dead. We don't want to be choked out. We don't. We fear the police. We don't want to be harassed. And Mariah, shout out to her. We used to ride around and whatnot, and I would see a police car, and she could feel me tense up. She could see me getting scared and whatnot. And she was like, you don't got to be scared. You're with me. And I'm like, I know I get that, but it's like, you see my skin, right? <laughs> like, you can't deny that. Like, you see my skin. Like, it's, I, and, you know, I've never been beaten by a cop, but I've been harassed by cops. I've been profiled plenty of times, plenty of times. But I would be lying to you if I say it wasn't a fear. I mean, I don't think about it. I mean, I've tried to get that out of, I've tried to reprogram myself I'm, every day. Every day. That's an that's a everyday thing. That's an everyday thing. Trying to unlearn that. But when you see it now, especially with social media, it's hard not to react. But when you see on the news, when you see the police brutality happen to black people, what do you see? They always show the riots. They always show the riots. So it's like a repeating cycle. They kill one of us, we riot, and a couple laws get changed. But does that bring any long-term change? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Well, why are we, why are we rioting now? For, we're rioting so four police officers can go to jail, which I go to prison, which I hope happens, which I pray happens. They need it. They need it. I hope they get some type of psychiatric help. I hope they get the right mentors that they need. I hope they get the right deprogramming that they need because God knows they need it. Maybe if they get the right help, they could become advocates against police police brutality. You know, you never know. You never know. It's deeply rooted. It's deeply rooted. So we have to get some change, some deep change, some change that we never thought about because rioting is not the solution. I mean, that's we're acting off emotion. We're acting off pain. We got to act smarter. We got to act smarter. And when I say smarter, I mean we got to fight their fight. We got it's a, it's economical. 
It's economical and it's educational. So we have to keep on building more educational programs, more economic programs for black people. We really have to look out for each other. Because in the last 400 years, if anything that we've learned, we should have learned that what? You know, white people ain't looking out for us like that, for real, for real. The system's not built for us, for real, for real. It's not. I mean, let's call, let's keep it real. Let's keep it 100. And that's why it's so beautiful right now to see the, you know, white people, Caucasian people, however, whatever you want to call them, I love them for the fact that they're speaking out right now. I love it the fact that they're standing up for injustice. They're trying to educate themselves. They're trying to spread awareness about it now. But help us come up with some programs. Help us come up with some long-term solutions to really create long-term change. Because this is only going to lead to another civil war. This is Everybody's strapped up now. Everybody got guns now. Everybody got money now. So... This is more of a human rights thing. This is we have to look out for each other, brothers and sisters, because we are one race, the human race. It's just us. And the only way that we can accept that is accept the fact that we've been lied to, that we've been gotten. We keep running the same game, playing the same lap, running in circles. Running in circles. This is how they want it. This is exactly what the government wants this is exactly what this is exactly this is exactly what the elites want this is what they want they want they want to divide you they want to conquer you they want to confuse you be <laughs> when harriet tubman was freeing slaves there was white abolitionists and when harriet tubman was freeing slaves there was uncle toms too so the times don't change. Times don't change. But we can change. We can change how we view things. We can change how we see things. We can change what we're hearing. We can change what we're consuming. Instead of being such consumers, we can create. We can inspire. Because if one person sees you doing something positive or if one person sees you doing something negative they have the choice either to mimic the positive or the negative and that's what kids do as they're growing up in that age one through seven that's why racism's taught and it can be taught unconsciously you might not even know like, I'm sure white parents don't even know that their kid is listening to everything that they're saying or watching what they're saying, probably not even having these discussions. You know what I mean? They're probably saying, you can't say the N-word in front of black people. Like, it's more than that. We got to go deeper into that. And I hope that white parents are having that conversation with their kids. I hope they are. I hope there's I hope they I hope they're talking to them about why black people have made it into a, a word of empowerment for us and why they can't say it at all. Unless we allow them to say it. I mean, I allow some of my white friends to say it. 
<laughs> no, no, trust me. But I want to I want us to look at the Black Wall Street that they had in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Once they burned it down, there's been nothing like it. And that is something that us as the black community can come together to do. But first, we have to stop being crabs in a bucket. We have to stop hating on one another and we have to stop looking for a discount just because we've been disenfranchised for so long. We actually have to acknowledge each other's worth and we have to pay each other what we're worth. And that is the only way that we can really each one teach one and eliminate this hate. Because if we can cause just one change in one community, in one community, if we can just have one city and spotlight that city so other cities can follow suit and mimic, that's how we take back economic power. And then once we take back economic power, we can build edu- we can build educational institutes we can build our own police force we can build our own hospitals i mean we preach black owned businesses all the time but why not have black owned communities why can't we have black owned communities we can do that we can do that but we always have to we we have to stop blaming the past we have to focus on where we're going. We always want to look at the past. That's what Sandy always tells me all the time is that us as black people, we always want to look at the past. We always want to seek out the past. We spend too much time in the past. We spend too much time blaming others for what we don't have. We spend too much time blaming each other for what we don't have. Damn it. <laughs> we, you know what I mean? <sighs> It don't make any sense sometimes how we treat each other. But we have so much love for each other and everybody want to be us. Everybody want to be us. Everybody want our culture. Everybody want a peace. So let's come together and let's do exactly what they don't want us to do. They don't want us to come together. And tearing down our own communities is not going to do that. I mean, when we riot, we're just showing our pain. We're showing our pain. And I'm loving it. But let's not I'm loving it. I mean, I'm loving it. That's cool, but how how much longer? We really have to come together. Really have to come together. As a pu- as a people, as a race. The human race. But that last part, that was for my black people with people with my complexion my skin because i've been i've been in a lot of different arenas of people and you know i got love for all you so all all my white friends speaking up man i'm so i'm i'm happy for y'all man i'm proud of y'all but as a whole i don't want us to get distracted by what's going on on tv the only way real justice will come is if we make change in our communities within ourselves and we can't be afraid to do that so let's unlearn all the negative behaviors that we have and let's become more mindful of where they actually do come from so when we make that change and this for the subconscious mind right because once we make a conscious change it's up to us to keep that awareness of that conscious change every day that's why sometimes you know some days are hard because if you because we're training the subconscious mind to not to resist to accept 
We're training the subconscious mind to accept that we want this new life and that is actually possible and actually obtainable. And so the more that we feed the subconscious, the more it's going to project out what we want. It's going to project out opportunities. It's going to attract those thoughts, attract those spirits. And then we can have beautiful, loving spirits living in us instead of the demons that possess some of us. Let's keep it real. So exercise your demons, kill your demons. You know what I mean? Become your master. Be your own master. Master your mind. And then create a mastermind principle within your community. And then that's how you create real change. Because it's more than a tweet. It's more than a t-shirt. That's just awareness. You're trying to monetize awareness. Let's make real change. So that is the episode. That's episode 28. All is mine. Life is mentality. Shout out Kobe. R.I.P. Kobe. The mama mentality is real. This has been a fun episode. A very inspiring episode. A very enlightening episode. A very real raw episode. We've came a long way as a people. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's let's create a better way for the future generations. Real change comes from the youth. So I want to give a shout out to the youth in my life that I love so much. I want to give a shout out to my little sister, Lily, Lily Pelly, my brother, Christian, Christian Patrick Pullen. What is that you pulling? My little cousin K Bird. What it do, K Bird? And my cousin Evie Coulter. What it do? What it do? What up? 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 Man, they keep me going. This has been a fun episode. It's been a very fun episode. Very real episode. I want to give a shout out to me. I love me. I want to give a shout out to God. I love God. And most importantly, I want to give a shout out to you. Yes, you. Yes, you. You listening. I love you. This has been awesome. This has been such a fun episode. I want to thank you guys for tuning in for real because this really gives me life, man. I have so much fun doing this. You guys have no clue. No clue. When I get behind this mic, like I said, it's just a fresh, it's just a breath of fresh air. Just great vibes and good times loves and laughs so as always it's your boy this has been your boy it's been your host sensei speeds in the building yes mr cronkite himself and if you haven't copped the book of love so blind i might just pull up and smack you in your face i might just have to i, mean, I love you but i'll just smack you up real quick <laughs> i mean go get that stop being blinded to love and learn what you're choosing to be blind to while you love you know what i mean because this life that we love this life that we live we love it and love is the ultimate generator all right and also if i didn't say this our soul is the reason why we made it out the womb you did we got a soul contract here on earth all right but that's it you know what i mean i love y'all these future episodes are going to be amazing Stay tuned for episode 29.
Es que es spooky.